Welcome to the Moz Monthly Podcast. Thorough discussion and in-depth information about the news, stories, and trends related to emergency medical services in Michigan. The Moz Monthly Podcast is brought to you by the Michigan Association of Ambulance Services. Here's your host, Moz Executive Director, Angela Madden. Welcome to a special edition of the Moz Monthly Podcast. As you know, the world's first doses of the COVID-19 vaccine rolled out of Kalamazoo and into hospitals and health departments earlier this week. Moz recently polled EMS agency leaders and learned that only 30 to 60% of their crew members were prepared to receive the vaccine immediately. Most still had some questions. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Steve Rockoff and and Dr. Russell Faust. Dr. Rockoff is the Emergency Department Service Chief at Henry Ford West Bloomfield, and Dr. Faust is the Medical Director of Oakland County Health. Together, they have been an integral part of the COVID-19 response and are here to answer some of the most frequently asked questions among EMS practitioners. Steve, Russ, welcome to the Moz Monthly Podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Angela. Yes, thanks for having us. Gentlemen, I think the number one question that we have among EMS professionals right now, is the vaccine safe? I mean, absolutely. Uh, And if I can speak to uh, our EMS colleagues, I'm a former paramedic. Prior to going to medical school, I was a paramedic for about 10 to 12 years. Uh, and uh, this, this vaccine is absolutely safe. Uh, I, I think what's um, concerning some folks is that it's a brand new technology. It's a new way to make vaccines. Uh, it's a very safe way that to make vaccines. And uh, um, yeah, very, very, uh, very safe. I, I'm, I'm going to get it myself as well. So uh, I have no reservations about it once, whatsoever. And I know Russ can probably speak to the uh, the actual um, science behind the uh, the vaccine and, and why it is uh, the most vaccine that we've actually produced. Yeah, I, I thank you, Steve. I, I will I will echo that. I will say this: after reviewing the global data from the um, the various trials and and um, early uh, vaccine rece- recipients. The, the profile of mild to moderate adverse reactions seems higher than most vaccines. Now, what we're not seeing is a similar um, severe adverse reaction profile. And there were the two anaphylaxis reactions in the UK on the first day of vaccination. There's been a, a severe reaction uh, con- called an allergic reaction in one individual up in Alaska. And that's it. In the tens of thousands of people in the, in the clinical trials, there were no severe adverse reactions. It's not clear what those three individuals have experienced. All three have prior experiences that is severe reactions to either um, injectable medications or food allergies. So there, mu- there might be something going on there. Back to the, the mild to moderate reactions, that are, seem to be more common, you know, it, I'll just echo what Steve said, this is a very, very safe vaccine. Unlike all prior vaccines in history, this is not grown up in eggs. So we don't have, we don't have live attenuated vaccine or virus that potentially will harm you. We don't have killed vac- or virus that has all the viral products that will potentially harm you. Um, and we don't have any of the, the egg products and proteins that invariably end up in the final product for other vaccine production against viruses. So this is great. It's just an mRNA. Our cells produce the protein, but that spike protein clearly elicits a response in our, in our immune system. You know, there's a a long list 
of symptoms that people can expect. And I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on those. Absolutely. Before we go to that, could one of you describe how this vaccine, the mRNA, is different than other vaccines that are already on the market? Historically, um, vaccines were only one of three types. They were um, so-called live attenuated, taking a virus, knocking down its virulence, its ability to infect or its ability to, to cause pathology, and yet still um, get in, infect you, spread, and elicit a strong immune response, and then have your body eliminated. Those are live um, attenuated viruses or LABs. And those are particularly dangerous for people who are immunocompromised from any cause. Um, and then there's the um, so-called kill viruses, and those are a common um, vaccine development method. And the, the problem there is, again, they grow up huge batches of those in eggs and, um, and then purify out the virus or attempt to, and then kill it um, and, and inject that often with some adjuvant or something that stimulates the immune system. You know, that, that's, uh, that's because of the number of products in there, all the viral proteins, potentially egg products, proteins, all the viral RNA or DNA or whatever's in the virus, you know, there are historically many more adverse, severe adverse reactions to those sorts of vaccines. And then the third type is where they grow up massive amounts of virus in eggs, try to purify out the, the, the virus, and then they try to purify out specific proteins. For example, in this case, they would attempt to purify out the spike protein and, and use that with adjuvants um, to inject as a virus. That's historically what has been done. This vaccine is um, the new wave of vaccines being produced using message RNA. Um, but basically, this is, this is the codon that um, is transcribed from DNA and then translated into protein um, in the cytoplasm. So the beautiful thing here is they've taken the whole sequence of coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2. They've found the um, the sequence, the message for the spike protein, and they, they synthesize up a bunch of that. They don't have to grow it in eggs. They wrap it in um, a little bit of lipid and use that to inject. And because of the lipid around it, it's taken up by cells, our, our cells, and then our protein synthetic mechanism, um, the ribosomes, actually produce that protein and secrete it. So just a little bit of vaccine, cells in us will produce it the, the protein, and then our immune system goes bananas for it and have a good, strong immune response. Your next question is, will be, can it infect me? No, it cannot infect me, okay? You cannot get an infection from this, unlike, say, live attenuated um, vaccines. So um, this is a wonderful thing. You will not get infected from this vaccination. More than that, it cannot be incorporated into your DNA. It's not going to change your genetics, Okay, that message stays in your cytoplasm. And in fact, mRNA, the reason we've got a bunch of minus 80 freezers out here right now, and that the whole logistics of managing this Pfizer vaccine is that it's mRNA. It's unbelievably unstable. It's unstable in the environment and it's unstable inside of us. It lasts for a very short time. We can use it to make protein, but then it's gone. 
RNA is extremely labile, very fragile, gets chewed up. Lots of enzymes chew it up. And then what was the other big question? Will it make me test positive for COVID-19? So let's think about those COVID-19 tests. The tests are primarily for virus, okay? So they test whole virus. Either they test for the, the viral genome. They're looking for intact viral genome. That is the PCR test. You get a swab, it looks for viral genome, or it looks for viral antigen or spike protein, for example. But you're not going to be shedding any of these things. That is that that vaccine gets chewed up. It's message RNA that gets chewed up. Your body produces some of that spike protein internally and your immune system immediately jumps on that and eliminates it, gets rid of it, um, which will take us back to the symptoms in just a little bit. Um, but no, you will not shed any of the spike protein. You will not shed any virus. You will not shed any of the antigen. You will not be test positive. So you continue to be testing negative. If you test positive, you will actually have COVID-19 infection. You may test positive for the antibody test, okay? And if the antibody test is based on um, antibodies against spike protein, you, you hopefully you will test positive for the IgM, IgA, IgG spike protein antibodies. Russ, just to go back to the, um, the mRNA technology, I think a lot of people uh, are fearful of it because it's such a brand new technology. But in, in essence, they've been working on this since the early 90s, uh, this mRNA technology. It just took a long time, as you mentioned, to perfect the stability of this to be able to give it in a vaccine form. Uh, th this technology was used in our SARS-1 Yes, and Ebola. Yeah, and Ebola, exactly. Uh, and um, so they really had a playbook, if you will, to go back to when they started working on this vaccine. Because a lot of people have, have questioned, how did this come to market so quickly? Did they take shortcuts? Did they rush things? When in fact, again, they've been working on this technology for decades, uh, yes. and they were finally able to perfect it. Uh, I, I heard it simply uh, uh, explained that if we think about the mRNA as, as Russ described, it's really a blueprint, if you will, to, to have the body make these proteins so that it can then make antibodies against the proteins. And as Russ said, it does not uh, interfere with any of our uh, DNA. It's not going to do any harm to us. It's very unstable. And it's really um, uh, there just to, uh, to help make these, um, the, the proteins so that we can make the, the right antibodies to it. So again, I, I think that there's a lot of uh, concern uh, from people because it's such a new technology, but in fact, it really is the safest technology. The, the egg method uh, that Dr. Faust uh, um, described is really 70-year-old technology. So we're, we're, we're moving 70 years ahead in the future here. Uh, and that's why I'm, I'm personally, as a physician, uh, I am so excited about this uh, new vaccine because this is definitely the safest and, uh, and really to scale. We'll be able to make massive amounts of vaccines in the future very quickly based on this technology. And I'm frankly, I'm hoping that all of our standard vaccines transition over to RNA methodology. I really am. And, and, to, to extend a little bit of what you just said, the reason this came so quickly to market, that is 11 months 
start to finish to bring a vaccine to market, to, to be able to develop a vaccine. I mean, you know that the, the previous record was only four years and before that it was 10 years. You know, just routinely vaccines took 10 to 20 years to develop. Four years was amazing. This is less than one year. And the reason is not only is this methodology just so great for, for scaling like that, you know, you just need to synthesize that sequence, wrap it in some lipid, right? But the, the development, as Steve said, has been going on for, for more than a decade. And most importantly, they started, these three main companies had started this for, um, for SARS and MERS. And so all they needed to do was essentially pull out the cartridge of that sequence and plug in SARS-CoV-2 sequence for the spike protein. They were ready. They, they were so far along on developing those vaccines. So it, it was just, we were just very fortunate that we were able to have this instead of, you know, five, six years down the road. And, and, and vaccines have been around since the 1700s, right? So uh, if you look at the greatest impact on, on humankind and on health, it has been vaccines. So this is just, again, an evolution in vaccines. You know, if you look at history, you know, when, 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 when the train was developed, it was replacing the, the, the horse and carriage. And you know that uh, there was a lot of people initially in history who were very afraid to ride in the train because they thought the human body could not withstand 30 miles an hour, the, the speed at which the trains were traveling. So obviously uh, we have learned since then that indeed uh, it is safe. Uh, and we will do the same here with this vaccine. We are gonna learn that obviously as we're, we're discussing today, it is very safe. And again, I encourage all our first responders, you know, you have to take care of yourself first before you can take care of your patients. So this is a, a way that we can take care of ourselves, safeguard ourselves from this virus. This virus has no rhyme or reason on, on how it affects uh, um, uh, the, the people that, that, that contract the virus. Uh, I have seen you know, reports in the news of 103-year-old patients surviving from COVID, and then you hear of very young, very healthy people who unfortunately um, pass away from the virus. So um, this really, this vaccine uh, is there and, and, and available to us now to protect. And so I really wanna encourage our first responders to think about that for themselves, for their families, and again, for the patients that they're gonna care for. Yeah, let's not not just for you, it's for those you love, those around you. Exactly. I'm told I'm being vaccinated in about 15 minutes. And yeah, obviously I'm like you, I'm, you know, frontline about testing and vaccinating. But um, honestly, I wouldn't do this because I feel perfectly confident in all the PPE that I have access to. I'm actually going to get vaccinated because we have a, a multi-generation household and I don't want any chance that I'm going to bring this home to the elders in, in our household. Do it for those around you. Absolutely. Dr. Faust, uh, Steve, let's, let's circle back to some of the side effects that you may see after you get your vaccine in the next 15 minutes. We know some of the more generic ones, headache, um, soreness at the site, mild fever. Can you talk a little bit more about potential side effects? And do we know what some potential long-term side effects might be yet? Um, I, I'd be happy to speak to that. I, you know, I've been on, um, oh my gosh, I've been on at least six calls in the last four days about these issues, um, listening to various experts from around the world. Um, again, this particular vaccine seems to have a little bit higher of the, the milder or moderate 
adverse side effects than, than many. That, for example, fever seems to be very common, um, say 60% on average in those vaccinated. You know, things like headache, fatigue, myalgias, arthralgias, a lot of side effects. Of course, red, swollen, sore arm, things like that. I mean, I think what that tells me about this method for developing vaccine is that it is eliciting a very strong immune response without a lot of adjuvant. I mean, it, it's, it's not, it doesn't have a, a huge amount of additional, you know, um, immune stimulants, other goodies in the vaccine. This is basically mRNA wrapped in a little bit of uh, lipid and our cells are basically producing that spike protein. And, and this fulminant response is really about our reaction to that protein. I don't know whether that means um, this protein has homology with something else that we are all routinely, you know, uh, have developed immune response to. I don't know. I don't, I haven't looked into the, um, the homology. I don't think it has homology with the uh, proteins of the other coronaviruses. In fact, I, I think spike proteins unique to this coronavirus, but there's something about it that our immune system gets riled up about. With regard to long-term, you've I'm sure all heard or read about the long haulers. Um, there are clearly people who have documented um, code infections and have lasting symptom profiles after full recovery and after testing negative. Um, we just don't know enough yet. And, you know, I don't know, Steve, if you have comments. Yeah, I, you know, this, I mean, this vaccine from the um, the early studies, and we should just pause for a second to say that this vaccine has gone through three phases of clinical trials. So they didn't, they didn't uh, shortcut the, the, um, the, the, the clinical trials or the, um, the research to rush this to market. They did the three clinical clinical phases. Uh, uh, I believe the, the Pfizer's had over 40 some odd thousand um, participants in that study. So again, they got some really good meaningful data. Uh, the, you know, the fact that it's eliciting such a strong response from our immune system, as, as Russ said, it, it is a good thing, right? This vaccine is 95% effective. Uh, on a good year, Russ, uh, the, the flu, isn't it about in the 30% effective range on, on a good we, year? We wish, yeah. Yeah, right. So this thing is 95% effective. That means that you get this vaccine, there's a 95% chance that it's going to do what it is designed to do, and that's protect you and keep you from getting the virus. Uh, so that could be a reason why, again, a majority of these uh, reactions are, are mild. Uh, our mild reaction to this, um, I think the worst that we've, uh, uh, that are common are probably the fevers. Uh, I think those three cases of, uh, of anaphylaxis, they'll have to probably uh, deep, uh, dive a little deeper to, to, uh, to figure that out. But again, there's already been thousands and thousands of, of people that have been immunized with this just in the short period that it's come to our market here in our area. So um, again, I can't stress enough. Uh, the, the reason for this podcast is to try to alleviate some fears, to encourage vaccination, because we want to um, keep our, our community safe uh, and, and really um, get an end to this, uh, to this pandemic. Yeah, let, let's be realistic here. I would rather have the entire list of the worst of those adverse side reactions and side effects than to have COVID. A absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I, I don't want I don't want the acute or the chronic issues from COVID-19 infection. I, I'll take the vaccine any day. Gentlemen, you have 
successfully educated me, a non-clinician, so thank you very much. I, I appreciate you guys taking the time. I have one more question that has been asked frequently, and I'm sure this is one you've already gotten. Will I still have to wear a mask after I get vaccinated? Absolutely. And, and, and here's the reason. The metric or endpoint of the clinical studies was basically, is it effective at reducing your risk of becoming infected with COVID-19. They did not at all look at whether it reduces the risk of you transmitting it to others. So if you do become infected with COVID-19, and you certainly can after being vaccinated, that's still a possibility. They really don't know whether it's going to reduce your shedding of virus. Now, I will say this, there are several clinical studies that clearly demonstrate your transmissibility, your infectivity, your risk of transmitting to others if you're infected parallels the severity of your symptoms. And what we do know is if you do get infected after being vaccinated, your symptom profile is going to be lower. That is, it's a less severe infection. So chances are you'll have less probability of transmitting it to others. But I think that's all we can say at this time. Certainly now that we're vaccinating tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people across the country, um, we'll have that answer fairly shortly. Thank you both so much for joining me. Um, Dr. Steve Rockoff from Henry Ford West Bloomfield, Dr. Russell Faust from Oakland County Health. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure talking with you this afternoon. Please, I don't wanna keep you any longer. Distribute that Thank vaccine and stay safe. Thank you, you too. thanks. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Moz Monthly Podcast, the go-to source for information about Michigan's EMS system. Be sure to visit miambulance.org slash podcast to join the conversation and access other important information from the Michigan Association of Ambulance Services.